Hello and welcome back to Build Back Better, another online conversation from For the Region. I'm Dawn Lyle and this week I'm really delighted to be talking to Barry Lyles, who's Pro Vice-Chancellor at University of Wales Trinity St David with special responsibility for skills and lifelong learning. Barry, thanks so much for joining us today. Pleasure. So the topic of this podcast is Build Back Better and of course across the region we're hoping to be emerging from almost a year of lockdown now and seeing if we can get back to some sort of normality. What's that looking like at uh, University of Wales Trinity St David? That's a very very good question Dawn and I think we're at this point now of defining what normality will look like because one thing we're certain, we will not go back to where we were. Uh, that's absolutely critical. It's a year ago, almost to a, a week now, when we literally and suddenly sort of all went home and delivered from home. A remarkable outcome from the staff point of view in, in terms of you know, changing from a, a very traditional delivery uh, service, particularly when you consider the nature of our university is that of vocational skills, intensive periods in workshops, laboratories, studios, theatres. Um, within a week, uh, we adjusted to, to life online um, and we've virtually been online ever since. We had a small period in the summer where we had some activity on campus, but it's been very, very fragmented. But the new norm, as people refer to it, it will not be the same old. I think ourselves, along with every other university in the UK, will be at this point in time now reflecting what normality will look like. Critical for me, you know, we, we need to look at a number of aspects. We need to look at our students. We need to look at our staff. And we need to look at ourselves as an university and the infrastructure we provide. You know, we, we've entered into the world of blended learning. We've been online learning in, in significant uh, volume, but it'll be a blended learning future. Now, uh, exactly what that looks like, we, we're developing it now. Um, yes, uh, young people want to go to university for more than just the education, it's, it's the experience. And we are desperate to get them back in for that, both the social experience and the interaction with other students, which not only interaction with other students, I say, which is a priority for them, but interaction with staff. And I know many, many of our staff want to get back into that environment in order to mix with those students. But, you know, we are now at this point in time recreating the university. We are undertaking a multi-million pound investment in digital learning technologies. We have to. We will see that the future will be blended learning. There will be on-campus activity, but there'll also be significantly greater volume of online learning. Online learning, some will be synchronous, some will be asynchronous, but the message is quite clear. Learners enjoy online learning. They can access it when they want to, not when we want to. And, and, and that's an important aspect because it'll enable us to be seen to be far more attractive to a wider cohort of people. It'll open up opportunities. Now, now I say that, however, Don, with one reservation, of course, is that we don't want to create a two-tier system for those who, who can engage and those who can't who are from a, a digital inclusion point of view. You know, that is incumbent upon us as an university to 
to actually ensure that we provide that digital inclusivity for students. And we've done that this year. We raided our hardship fund significantly uh, last spring and summer. We made available for any student who could not afford the proper equipment. We provided them with laptops and, in, in fact, you know, with connectivity as well. And that's critical. But as a business, we are now redefining what an university will look like. And for that, you know, there's going to have to be a big, big change for our staff, you know. We've been well aware that young people come into the university with greater digital uh, literacy skills. We have to ensure that our staff are ahead of the game. But when you look to the future, there is a challenge for us. I'm pleased to say the staff are up for that challenge. But when you look up beyond the current learning technologies, we have to look at you know, significant changes in immersive technology, virtual reality, augmented reality. These you know, it, it's not science fiction, it, it's here now and it's here to stay. So we'll need to turn to those technologies. Each of our staff members will apply those technologies. So there's going to have to be, an, whilst we are now investing in an infrastructure, we are investing in staff to develop learning resources. It's simply not a matter of taking what we've done for years in a lecture room uh, and put them online, you know. <laughs> That, that was okay for a couple of weeks, <laughs> but you can't survive on that basis. But So we have to relate this to the pedagogy uh, of learning going forward. Um, so there's an investment in infrastructure, an investment in the development personnel, but there's also going to have to be an investment in our staff. And we saw this, in fact, with our students as well. Um, we took a decision very, very, very early on when you consider that Last year, our graduates of 2020, they entered the world of work in the middle of a pandemic. None of our programmes were, were in any way designed or developed to prepare people for entering the world of work in a pandemic. You know, we see ourselves as a stepping stone, a stepping stone between the world of education and careers. And those careers are going to change. You know, I talk about the changes in terms of technology for our staff to, to become engaged in. But you look at the technological change that will happen. You know, we're well aware that you know, children in education at the age of five currently will be leaving at the age of 16 into roles and professions which don't exist currently. Now, that's, that's a, perhaps a double whammy, but we have to engage with that, you know. In addition to all the changes that we've already spoken about, we have to look at future-proofing our provision. But more importantly, we have to future-proof our learners. What we did uh, at the outset really was to say, well, hang on a minute. In the early days, we were predicting a second wave. And my word, that second wave came, didn't it? Uh, we knew that we'd been in the middle of delivery in a new academic year. And what we did for the majority of our courses, we introduced on a compulsory basis graduate attributes in order to prepare our students for the pandemic world that they'd enter into as a careers and it, the attributes are made up of three elements one is employability skills digital technologies and lifelong learning i'll take those in reverse order if you look at lifelong learning you know i'm of an age i probably had 
what, two or three careers, perhaps. I started my life in, in manufacturing. I went into education and I ended up in education management. But, you know, current school leavers are looking at, what, 12 to 15 different careers. And that's exactly what we have to develop. We have to develop the flexibility, the resilience in young people to be able to cope with that, to react to changes in technology, to be ready for the next challenge, for the next career, for the next job coming down the line. And for that, we have to develop them as learners. Lifelong learning is here to stay for all of us, but that will become more formalized. So we, we need to develop that. We're aware that in many instances, in a lot of our programs, that perhaps the digital world, which they will enter into, wasn't recognized within our course material. And again, we brought that in. So, you know, we're actively engaging in things like automation, artificial intelligence, you know, absolutely key for the future. So we're embedding those skills in our learners, but equally well is the importance of illustrating as well how to behave, how to operate, how to, to work in the world of work. And we've looked at employability skills and supported them as best we can in terms of all aspects of, you know, securing sustainable employment. So we, we've embedded those programs across all our curriculum. It's come as a challenge because obviously they weren't initially what perhaps the students had envisaged they would be doing. But it's, it's absolutely brilliant to see the, the response we're having when they realise what potential this gives them and the benefits that it gives them at the end of the day. And that's so critical. Absolutely. I mean, you, your heart goes out to students who've had their degree learning so disrupted uh, over this time. And as you say, a lot of the reason we go to university is for the social experience. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thought of emerging into the post-COVID jobs market, I know, is very daunting for a lot of young people. Um, so I really appreciate what you've said there about the importance of having those adaptable, transferable kind of employability skills and embracing the opportunity of digital, but lifelong learning in the context of very fast changing times, rising automation, and then new opportunities in different sectors. We were in a conversation earlier talking about the construction sector and, and new skills that are needed in things like eco-building and mm -hmm. renewable energy. You said that University of Wales Trinity St. David sort of specialises in those kind of vocational courses. How do those transfer to digital? And, you know, what are those vocational courses starting to look like now, preparing students for that future? Absolutely. It, it, it's harnessing that technology. And you mentioned construction, so let's pick up on that now at the moment. Well, most people won't be aware of this, but Literally in Swansea, we, we have a, a training centre for scaffolding training. Quite unique for an university sector to look at that, but it's part of the big picture of the significance today of scaffolding on site when it comes to modern methods of construction. You know, your traditional build is no longer the case. Now they are erected, they're built in a factory, they're transported to site and they're erected within a scaffolding structure. So we have those practical skill opportunities. How do we engage with that? We have virtual reality programs now to accelerate learning. So we have these, for instance, associated with wood cutting machinery. I.e. we don't have to cut wood. We more importantly, we don't have to cut fingers. <laughs> so we can simulate that, but it would be, and, and welcome the opportunity for you to see this equipment in use. 
you can you get the feel for it. So we can, you know, we never thought probably five years ago that we'd be training drone pilots for the world of construction. Aerial surveying is now done by drones. We develop drone training within that. But again, the technology behind that and, you know, building information management is critical for the construction industry going forward. Everything is digitized. We have a whole life cycle of a building project now totally digitalized. And we need that to develop not only the young people who are full-time students, but our work importantly with local organizations, local SMEs. If they are to survive in the future, they have to be totally digital. So there's a big job ahead there to, to change the nature of our local industry in that respect, particularly in those sectors. But, you know, we, we're looking at the use of that technology in manufacturing. So, you know, if we can look at uh, simulating manufacturing lines in operation, we can evaluate them without actually building them. So this again, you know, it's the same as in, in the design field. It's time to market is critical. So we can, we can foreshorten that time, foreshorten that development by using the technology. And that's what's important, you know, when we speak of artificial intelligence and automation, we shouldn't be frightened about it. These will create opportunities, but we have to prepare our students, we have to prepare our staff to exploit those opportunities. Absolutely, we do. What proportion, do you know, what proportion of um, students at Trinity St. David are from within the region and what proportion come from further afield to study with you? You can only relate to uh, each of the campuses. Now, bear in mind that, you know, we are the University of Wales, Trinity St. David, and you may well be surprised, Dawn, but we have, we have two campuses in London and one in Birmingham with significant numbers of students. Yes, we have a traditional base and we're celebrating our 200th year now in Lampeter next year. So we are the oldest university in Wales. But if I take our Welsh campuses, 90% of our students come within, live and reside within a 40 mile radius of the campuses. So it's not insignificant. And I take a great deal from that because what we are doing therefore, in addition to our investment in terms of staffing, we are having a tremendous impact on the local economy. Now, when you look as well that the changing nature of university provision, we now have, and we are in Wales, we are the biggest provider of degree apprenticeships. So the degree apprenticeships, each one of those individuals who come to us one day a week, over a 42 week year, they're employed locally. <laughs> and it's important to me, they're employed locally, they, they spend locally, they buy a house locally, so the, the multiplier on the impact on the locality is profound. Someone was talking to me about degree apprenticeships uh, just this week, and it's a great concept, isn't it? And it's not just about apprentices in the construction sector where we perhaps traditionally think about apprenticeships. It's for any sector of business, isn't it? Tell us a bit more about that and how employers can get involved. Absolutely. No, at the moment, so funded places tend to be um, restricted by the Welsh Government currently, so they tend to be in the world of digital and uh, engineering manufacturing. We have higher apprentices in the construction industry, but we are looking to the Welsh Government to expand the sectors to which they relate. But yes, it gives the opportunity on two fronts. It provides the opportunity for an employer to engage with new blood, 
keen young individuals with no baggage whatsoever to be introduced at the right level and develop them within the company alongside an university graduate qualification. But equally well, and what we're witnessing is a significant interest from employers of investing in their own current staff. Staff who may have been in employment for a number of years, who perhaps hadn't had the first opportunity to study within a university. This provides them with the opportunity now, whilst in work, whilst holding down key roles in those industries, to actually come to university and get a degree and progression opportunities thereafter, if required, into masters or chartered status as well. So it, it, it's it's a fantastic product. Um, we are in a another industry where we actually run degree apprenticeships is for the police force. So we have degree apprentices uh, who are police officers. So again, it is going to grow, and we can see, you know, we've identified elsewhere in the UK that very traditional university-oriented programs such as accountancy. Your major accountancy firms now have degree apprenticeships. And this is again providing them with the vocational experience in the workplace alongside the academic study uh, at the reputable university. One of the key challenges I think we've got, and, and if you're saying that 90% of students in your Welsh campuses are from within Wales, one of the key challenges we've got is keeping graduates in Wales after they graduate, isn't it? And, and making sure we've got those opportunities within the regional economy and that students and graduates are aware of those opportunities and not immediately looking elsewhere for employment after they graduate. What's happening and what more do you think needs to happen to um, keep graduates in the region? Statistically, it's proven that you know, a majority of the graduates will stay within the region they have studied within the university. So we need to address perhaps that brain drain at an earlier stage, shall we say, from leaving Wales. But we also need to now harness fantastic opportunities which are emerging with the city and growth deals. And obviously within our catchment, we now have three. We, we have the capital uh, region in Cardiff, we have the Swansea Bay City deal. And so pleased to hear the other day about the growth deal for uh, mid and central Wales. And these are going to be absolutely critical. But what is also critical is that we engage with each of those uh, deal uh, management structures immediately to focus on developing long-term sustainable employment for young people. For us to identify, and it's incumbent upon ourselves and organisations like the Regional Learning Partnerships, to engage with the projects to identify what the future skills needs are and to work with those projects to develop the appropriate skills in the local population. Now, I will say, and I will comment upon the, the Southwest Wales Regional Learning Partnership is doing a tremendous job at the moment in developing a skills and talent initiative to support the, the Swansea City deal. And it's doing remarkable things like working with schools. Uh, working with schools to identify what future careers look like linked to those projects. But it's a golden opportunity over the next 10 years, and it'd be wrong of us if we didn't actually sort of connect with them, collaborate with them, and get the right skills for the young people. 
Absolutely. You know, when you look at our city deal, you've got renewable energy is a really big theme and a massive growth sector. And the digital, of course, huge opportunities there. And that for the region, one of the things we talk about a lot is that we want young people to recognise, you know, how much exciting opportunity there is in our region. Um, but also to think differently about their careers. You know, you've talked about lifelong learning. Um, and I think any of us at any age need to recognize that we can adapt and change, learn new things, go into new industries and new sectors, because the world is changing so mm. fast. Let's talk about you personally then, Barry, in terms of lifelong learning. What are you passionate about at the moment? What do you sit up at night reading about? What are you, what are you learning about that's, that's uh, keeping, keeping you interested and curious about the world? You know, I'm coming to the end of my career, <laughs> but I've benefited from, you know, having a career in this locality. And, and my passion is to drive the skills agenda to have that potential sustainable employment for young people you know in in all its different guises to ensure that we prepare young people that we provide the opportunities for them and then we keep them in this particular region and hence why i'm so keen to see the likes of the city deal coming to fruition and providing that benefit because we need to you know there's been an, an ebb and flow of industries again we can provide the opportunities for young people, as long as we provide those young people with the flexibility, going back to what we earlier spoke about, the flexibility to be able to become lifelong learners, to adapt to and to pick it up and to, to maintain and spark the interest in those young people, to keep them locally, again, to invest locally, to impact the local economy. I'm a graduate of Trinity St. David myself. I graduated in 2003 and set up a business in this region. So entrepreneurship is another key Absolutely. theme, isn't it? And I know Absolutely. Trinity St. David's got a great record for supporting entrepreneurs. Is, is, do you see that as a big part of uh, your role? The opportunity to encourage young people to think about setting up their businesses here? We have to. And that's all part of what I said here in terms of careers and alternative opportunities and if you look at it now nationally okay in the early part of the pandemic it took a dip but from last august we are now seeing record numbers of new businesses being started and, and that echoes you know it's created by hunger uh, hunger has created that demand we've got a tremendous record and some very very passionate staff in that area that you probably have, are well aware of who and we embed those uh, entrepreneurial and enterprise skills across the board but equally well uh, you know um, we are working currently with an individual looking at entrepreneurship and the entrepreneurial skills required of an employee they're exactly the same and if you can get that individual working for an employer with the same skill set now then that to me is a golden opportunity as well for both the employer and the employee. Yes, I couldn't agree more with that. I think one of the things I often think is we need entrepreneurial mindsets in every facet of Absolutely. every organisation. We need entrepreneurial mindsets in our local authorities, in government, in the social enterprise sector, in, in the third sector, as well as in businesses and startups. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It's those transferable skills, skills. those opportunities to look yeah. around, see problems that need solving and come up with solutions and uh, feel empowered to do so. There, isn't it? And I mentioned earlier on that part of our employability skills program is enterprise and entrepreneurship. 
is critical there because those are the, provide the opportunity for so many young people. Oh, it's been so great to talk to you, Barry. Firstly, to just hear about the massive changes that are taking place in uh, Trinity St. David at the moment. And as such a key economic driver for our region, it's great to hear about how sort of forward looking uh, the organisation is and how you're adapting and responding to the challenges. So best wishes to you and all your staff and students as we emerge from this time, but a bright future to look forward to. And I really appreciate your, your perspectives on all of that. Many thanks, Don. My pleasure. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Build Back Better. I've been talking to Barry Lyles from University of Wales, Trinity St. David. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. Please tune in again next week. Bye for now.